11.3% of the population in America has diabetes. 1.4 million Americans are diagnosed with diabetes every year. The medical cost per year is $237 billion. Diabetes, it's everywhere. This is the Embrace Podcast. Diabetes is everywhere. It affects all age groups, all ethnicities, all walks of life. And on this show, we talk about diabetes awareness, current events and news, tips, advice, motivation. We'll speak with guest speakers. Welcome to the family. This is the Embrace Podcast. And now your host, Jazz. Hello, guys. Welcome to the Embrace Podcast. This is your host, Jazz. I have a special guest. Um, His name is Nate. Hello, Nate. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? Doing great. Guys, Nate has helped uh, with fundraising for the Embrace Podcast, or not the Embrace Podcast, but the Embrace Foundation. Um, So, Nate, happy World Diabetes Day. Yeah, yeah. Perfect day to be doing a diabetes podcast absolutely i didn't even think about it um can you tell me your diabetes story yeah so uh to start from kind of uh the beginning i uh was diagnosed at age two wow so 28 years of type 1 diabetes now wow uh yeah so it's been it's been a journey that's for sure uh, growing up with type 1 diabetes was definitely not easy for me personally. Uh, I think anyone that grows up with diabetes in adolescence can relate to that, but uh, it was a lot of trial and error, uh, mm-hmm. especially back then in the, in the 90s. Um, you know, medicine was a little bit different, so you didn't have these continuous glucose monitors. You didn't have insulin pumps in the beginning. Uh, it was all just shots and 60-second readings for pricking your finger to check your blood sugar. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, different times, but uh, yeah, it's amazing to see where the technologies come with all of that because it is much more convenient now than ever. Um, but but yeah, growing up with it was was difficult for me. I had you know a lot of extreme highs and a lot of extreme lows and... Um, high A1Cs growing up. Uh, I ended up having a couple seizures overnight as a as a child, which was pretty scary. Uh, scary for my parents, scary for me. But uh, yeah, to kind of fast forward to where I'm at today, it's just been, uh, you know, an amazing journey that's taught me so much in my life, throughout my life, and it's kind of built me into the person I'm I am today. So uh, while it's been a struggle, it's kind of built a lot of character for me and it's, you know, just kind of a part of my life story. So, Wow, that's fantastic. Um, So could you tell us um, how you got diagnosed or what led to your diagnosis? Yeah, so uh, my mom knew something was was off um, because I went in pretty sick to the hospital and then um I was having extremely uh like I was urinating a lot you know frequent thirst for kind of those symptoms that she started recognizing but 
they were just doing all sorts of tests and they just really couldn't figure out what was like wrong with me. Um, especially then they didn't really automatically test for type one diabetes. And it was my mom that really pushed them to check for that because, uh, my grandpa also was a type one diabetic and he was diagnosed pretty late in life in his fifties or forties. Um, so she just kind of pushed them to run that test and, uh, my blood sugar kept reading, reading high in the hospital Mm -hmm. and they were like, okay, this, you know, is definitely what's going on. So I ended up getting sent to a bigger medical facility here in Utah called primary children's. And they were able to read my blood sugar at 1,064. Wow. So very high blood sugar. They said I was lucky to be alive in DKA. Um, so I was just kind of blessed to make it from even that point in life. Yeah, absolutely. That is a crazy blood sugar. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Especially for a two-year-old. Wow. Right. Yeah, and I was in the hospital for quite some time after that Uh I think my parents had to get educated on, you know, what to do and how to take care of me. And, uh, you know, it took a while to get me kind of stabilized to where I could even leave the hospital. So I do remember being in the hospital quite a lot growing up. And definitely a big part of my life was like being around nurses and hospitals and frequent visits to the ER. So, yeah, that, I think some of us. Uh, diabetics know that all too well, I would say. Yep, definitely. Um, I was going to ask, how was the transition? Um, because I know like when, when you have type 1 diabetes and you get diagnosed as a child, for me, it was kind of a, a transition of like letting or telling my mom, like, I can handle it, like, let me do it on my own. You being diagnosed at two years old, your mom had a really long time with you, you know, being able to help you and assist you and, you know, take care of you. So I want, how, how was that transition for both of you? Yeah. So it was quite some time that my mom was very involved. She was the one, you know, giving me the shots, checking my blood sugar. Uh, it was a lot for my mom and my dad would play a part in that too, but my mom was definitely the, more the caretaker being a stay at home mom. And, uh, so, you know, I would say, can't remember exactly what age it was but probably as i got around seven or eight it was more so just me starting to you know check my blood sugar more regularly by myself or giving my own shots and uh my mom would always be there reminding me like hey did you check your blood sugar hey did you uh give your shot you know so she she played a huge part in that but uh but the transition was was not easy for me because uh while i i knew i had to do it it was i resist i resisted that a lot mm-hmm. like um i resisted having to check my blood sugar five times a day i mm-hmm. i missed that a lot you know i would forget a lot with that that was always a struggle for me growing up and um i just at times i just kind of wanted to pretend like I wasn't a diabetic, you know, Absolutely. I didn't I want to face, face that reality. Too. Yeah. Especially even in my, my teen years, there was some years where I just, I really didn't, you know, own my diabetes yet. And 
I just wanted to eat what I wanted. I wanted to drink soda pop. I wanted to eat candy. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And uh, it definitely was like a path that I've had to go down and learn the hard way that that's, you know, not sustainable for a type 1 diabetic. And uh, like, yeah, you can eat a candy bar, but you got to think beforehand. And uh, so for before me, I... Before and after, really. <laughs> yeah, before and after, exactly. But for me, I would just kind of eat it and then give insulin later. My blood sugar would stay high, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I've, I had to learn over the years the hard way. But uh, I, I will also say my endocrinologist I had, um, he played a major part in... Uh, not only my care, but just teaching me a lot of life lessons. Um, his name was Dr. Swinyard. He's now retired, but he, he was my endocrinologist for most of my childhood, mm-hmm. uh, probably from age eight till even, I'd say like 21 is when I stopped wow. going to him. Yeah, and he usually didn't see adults, but he just kept seeing me because, he, you know, we just had that good of a relationship. And mm-hmm. so, uh, but my parents were very loving and they were there for me and did whatever they could to help me. He was more of the tough love approach because I never got the tough love. Mm -hmm. So for example, there was one time, um, when I was, I think 12 or 13, I came into his office with an A1C of over 12 and, uh, he instantly put me in the hospital and said, you're not leaving until we can get your A1C down and your blood sugars under control. And so, uh, I was in the hospital getting reeducated on, you know, food and bolusing and I was on a pump at the time. So just, you know, basically had to prove that I was going to take care of myself and he was just trying to teach me a hard lesson of like what will happen if I, if I keep doing this, yeah, you know? Absolutely. And so, yeah, just that. And then he even revoked my license as a teenager wow. uh, because he, I kind of went on a, a bad path in my teenage years. And, uh, I started experimenting with like drugs and stuff like that. And that was like a couple year period of my life where, I just was kind of lost and I was hurting and uh, I just went down this path and he he was the one that like just gave me that tough love. He took my license away and said, I'm not getting that back until I can prove myself to him. And so that's what I had to do. And I had to take regular drug tests to even get my license back from him. And uh, that was a hard lesson at the time, but it was so necessary for me because mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I ended up stopping all that and changing my life around. And uh, it kind of is ultimately what led me on the path today where, you know, I haven't touched anything in years, but uh, it was just this lesson of like, okay, well, my parents aren't going to take my license away, but I will. And you need to, you know, you need to realize this is life or death for you. Right. That's fantastic. I'm glad you had someone, you know, so knowledgeable and also so, so important in your life to be that, to be that figure for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely played a major role and, you know, I can't thank him enough for all that he did for me throughout the years. That's so nice. That's so nice. Um, 
briefly, we talked about um, we talked about how you ran an ultra marathon. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, that was uh, one of five that I've ran uh, run this year, and that one was definitely the highlight of my year because of the fundraiser involved. Uh, so this one was more of a self-sustained thing where I was trying to run this trail that runs through the entire Salt Lake County here in Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a 45 mile trail and, uh, kind of the reason for it is I, uh, have ran quite a few marathons on that trail that were self-sustained, especially during COVID. Um, that's kind of when I really got into running marathons and long distance running. And so, you know, instead of signing up for all these races during COVID, because most of them got canceled, I was, I would go set a goal and try and run a marathon on this particular trail. That's called the Jordan River Parkway Trail. And so I came up with the idea to run the whole thing end to end from north to south and it's 45 miles and at the time i had ran 150k on that same trail but i hadn't ran farther than that which is 31 miles um so i set that goal actually last year in 2021 and attempted it that year on easter sunday so easter sunday 2021 i went out and tried running that self-sustained so just meaning I was out there alone, uh, wasn't like a scheduled event or race or other people there. And I basically just had a, a hydration bladder on my, uh, pack and, uh, some food with me to, uh, you know, eat as I went. And my goal was to get that full 45 miles in and that, uh, particular day, I just, realized afterwards how poorly I planned for that because I trained a ton for it. I was running just a ton of miles every week leading up to it. And I felt ready as far as uh, the running went and the training. Mm-hmm. But where I fell short was the nutrition side of it. And I was very focused on my blood sugars and keeping them balanced during the run. But I just wasn't getting enough food in uh, during the run. And so that was just kind of a hard lesson I had to learn. And uh, something I've learned afterwards is how many calories you need to replenish during a long distance run like that. And so I only got about 500 calories in uh, during that run. And I made it about 30 miles and I completely fell apart. Um, I got really, really nauseous and ended up, you know, starting to vomit and I just lost everything I had. I couldn't keep anything down. I kept trying to go, but at a walking pace, but anytime I ran, I just couldn't keep anything down and got very dehydrated and very malnourished very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, uh, going to the ER from there. Wow. Getting, a getting an IV in me, getting me rehydrated. And yeah, basically the doctor was saying the same thing. He's like, you probably didn't eat nearly enough calories and you're in a major caloric caloric deficit. And, you know, it's probably why you got so sick. So I ended up getting about 32 miles total that day. And 
but I felt like I felt that. And uh, that was very discouraging for me because that's the first time I had ever really quit a run like that, everything else I had finished. But looking back, it was definitely a great learning experience and something that I was able to grow from. So I wanted to reattempt that and do it better the next time. So I set the goal again, and that's where this year came in. So I set it for uh, last weekend in June of this year, and I set a few goals this year for ultra marathons, and that was one of them. And um, so with that, again, I just trained and got prepared as I could, but I knew I had to change up my nutrition and eat a big breakfast beforehand, eat regular, uh, regularly during the run, and just make sure I'm really keeping on top of calories and checking my blood sugar and everything. So uh, I ended up running that June 28th, and uh, I had a little bit more support this time with kind of a crew, which was one of my good friends uh, who's helped me with some of these ultras, and then my brother. And so they came along and supported me and like ran bits of it with me or my brother biked like a full marathon distance with me that day. And so it was just us out there on the trail, me running the whole thing. And my goal was to get 50 miles. So I added an extra five miles at the end of the trail just to make it a 50 mile ultra marathon. And I did it with ease this time. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And the, the reason that the Embrace Foundation came into this was uh, I just kind of found out about that organization earlier in that year, and uh, I just was kind of amazed by everything that the organization was doing and how they were helping out Type Ones with, you know, their struggles. Because I know it's a it can be a major struggle to get your supplies, like if you have insurance issues or you know, the cost of insulin, it's, it's insane. So, uh, I know firsthand how hard that can be. So that's definitely been a, a charity that's stood out to me among all of them. And so I thought it'd be really cool to, you know, try and make an impact while doing that run and raise some money. And so I, I just set a goal of $500 to accomplish for the day, um, to see if we could get there. Cause I really had no idea like what, kind of impact we could have mm -hmm. but i just put that on my instagram and started kind of promoting that heavily on there uh that i was doing this this ultra marathon and i uh ended up just talking about it a lot on there and i had a lot of people asking about it and a lot of friends and family talking about it and so yeah at the end of the day i got a message uh reaching out from uh was his name Matt from the Embrace Foundation? Uh, I forget. Brandon? Yeah, yeah, Brandon. Um, so he reached out and said how much he had been receiving from donations that day, and I think we reached $1,100 for the day. Wow, that's so great. It was awesome. He told me that actually covered a whole month of supplies for people that they were able to get out to people just from that one fundraiser. And that alone made the whole race worth it. Like, it was redeeming for me to get out there and accomplish it after failing the year before. But it was also right. that alone just to, you know, get the word out about 
the foundation and help raise some money to help people was what made it so worth it. So, wow, that's so great. Yeah, but it's a great, great experience. Great day. I mean, I couldn't have asked for anything better than that. So if we have any diabetics out there who want to get into long-distance running, what advice would you give them um, about, you know, how you said, you know, you didn't get enough food in you, n- enough nutrition, or, you know, how to, their water intake, or, or what are some, some tips that you learned along the way um, doing your long-distance running? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely for me, I haven't had any sort of coach or trainer or anything. It's just been a lot of trial and error to get to where I'm at. But for me, uh, some of the, the best takeaways I've had are, well, one, yeah, you, you should talk with your endocrinologist or a doctor about this, like preferably a sports like a uh, doctor, if you have access to one of those to kind of create a game plan. But uh, yeah, if someone wanted to get into long distance running, I'd say just set a goal and figure out what you need to do day to day to get to that big goal. So if you want to run a half marathon to start, I mean, that's where I started was running half marathons to marathons to now ultra marathons. I just kind of worked my way up. So start with a, a goal that feels big, but you feel like you can achieve it if you put in the work for it and then just find the daily actions to get there. Uh, so for me now I'm training for hundred mile ultra marathons. And so I have kind of a weekly mileage goal that I need to hit to achieve that. And then I kind of adjust my training plan accordingly for where I'm at based on my training but also the nutrition is super important. Like, what are you eating? How many calories are you getting in a day? Uh, the water is huge, making sure you drink to thirst and you're staying hydrated before, during, and after the runs. Um, and yeah, being a type one diabetic has a whole different factor. So for me, I actually have that nighttime, uh, insulin that I cut down to about half, uh, which is what was recommended by my doctor. So I give about half my normal dose uh, the night before my race, and that helps me from dropping too low during my run because I'm running for anywhere from 12 to 24 hours. Wow. So that helps me from tanking too low. And then... That's fantastic uh, that's something, yeah. Um, yeah, guys, if if you feel like, you know, you might want to try to start run, training for a marathon or long distance, definitely check with your doctor. That was fantastic advice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just get that figured out with them. But also for me, I noticed because my body is so active that it's burning through all these uh, calories and this glucose that, you know, you're your body naturally is going to go into a lower blood sugar state Mm -hmm. if you're just staying that active for that long. So for me, I eat anywhere from 15 to 25 carbs every one to two hours to keep my blood sugar again from dropping. And the interesting part is, you know, usually you got to give insulin to for those carbs based on your insulin to carb ratio. For me, I'm giving a quarter of my normal fast acting insulin during these races. I'm just eating to stay 
balanced in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. So, so you kind of really do have to stay on top of the, the eating and that's what's worked for me, but everyone's different. So right. you kind of just have to figure out what works for you, whether that's with a doctor, a trainer, a running coach, or just through trial and error like I've done. But, but yeah, it's, it's worked out well where I've had no serious lows during a race. In fact, I've had a couple more highs to start races than anything, which then eventually kind of work their way down as I, as I start the run. But important question. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite um run snack run snack Ooh, let's see <laughs> <laughs> i like that one um my favorite run snack i love granola bars like cliff bars yeah uh yeah so i'd say cliff bars because like the crunchy peanut butter one or the chocolate chip one they have uh pretty good like they have a decent amount of carbs but they have the peanut butter in there too and so that actually holds you over pretty good during a run wow okay okay i feel like that was a fantastic answer i do like cliff bars too um maybe not in the same frequency (laughs) but i do like them as well um, Everyone has their snack. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then, what is your favorite low snack? Uh, for when I have low blood sugars, yes. Ooh, not gonna lie, I do love chocolate. So, uh, I'd have to say like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Those are really good. I've, I, I'm low. I'm looking forward to a Reese's. <laughs> I understand. I can definitely understand that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nate, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here and such an awesome opportunity. So appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah, of course. Everyone, please let me know if you'd like to be a part of the podcast. I would love to have you on. I would love for you to tell your story. I would love to interview you. I would love for you to bring awareness to um, something that you might be going through or dealing with. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me or Brandon. Um, we're, we're both here. He'll get you in touch with me or you can you know, come to me directly either way. I would love a chance to talk with you all um, and, you know, have you tell your story. So once again, thank you guys for listening to the Embrace podcast, my Embrace family, my Dia buddies. Um, I can't wait to talk to you guys again. Bye. Thanks. 1,064? I can't even begin to imagine how Nate was feeling when he was first diagnosed with diabetes. 1,064. I can't wrap my head around that. That is insane. That's definitely the highest number I've ever heard a blood sugar be. Um, But I just wanted to get on here and personally thank Nate uh, for his contribution to the Embrace Foundation. He was able to raise over $1,125 for the Embrace Foundation, which is amazing. That's fantastic. Because of him, we were able to send out over 100 extra packages over the course of a few months. And I can't begin to explain how grateful um, I am for that. Nate, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you so much for embracing diabetes the way that you do, not letting it slow you down and using it to make a difference and to make a change uh, in the diabetic community. Um, 
Again, Nate, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Welcome to a brand new segment called Volunteer Spotlight. We have so many great volunteers on our team that you guys don't know about. It's not just me doing all this stuff. It's these people, these people who put in work each and every single week. Amazing, hardworking, passionate people who want to make the world a better place. These people are the change. These people are the Embrace Foundation. And without them, there would be no organization. These people are responding to emails, getting people on our uh, request form, getting them scheduled, um, taking care of you guys. These people are the best of the best. I'm so extremely proud and honored to have each and every single one of them um, be a part of our team. And I want to take this segment to give them the floor and introduce um, themselves to you guys um, so you guys can get familiar with our team and, and, and who we are. Because again, it's not just me. It's a whole uh, team of people who are who are working hard each and every single week to make sure that you guys are um, getting taken care of. So um, without them, there would be no embrace. There would be no nothing. So without further ado, let's get into our next one. My name is Devin. Uh, I'm 28 years old. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I am a volunteer for the Embrace Foundation virtually um, on the troubleshooting team. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 2011. I was in high school. It was a funny time to be diagnosed because I was finally starting to feel like I had, you know, a solid group of friends in high school. I felt like I had kind of a niche I fit in. Um, I'd just been cast in the summer musical. I was excited to do that. I was learning to drive. I was asking my mom every day if I could have a later curfew than 10 p.m. And then all of a sudden I'm diagnosed and, you know, this this thing happens to me that takes away so much of the independence and that kind of grown-up feeling that I felt like I was finally getting. Um, I felt really helpless. It was a really hard time. Um, but looking back, you know, it's been 10 years, and I can obviously remember my life before diabetes, right, because I was a teenager when I was diagnosed, but I've had diabetes for so long now that I feel like it's a part of who I am, and most of the time, you know, on the good days, I can tell that it really has made me stronger and, you know, it's made me who I am. I think that, you know, we talk a lot about how diabetes kind of changes our relationship with food. I think sometimes we talk about, you know, how it changes our relationship with our body. Um, I'm a little grateful for that um, because I think that having diabetes really taught me the importance of self-care and putting myself first. With diabetes, you don't really have a choice you kind of have to take care of yourself first. If there's an emergency or you're going high or you're going low, you have to deal with it. And I think the same can be said for just kind of our whole self, um, if that makes sense. Really taking care of our whole self and putting ourselves first whenever we can. Um, another thing about diabetes that, you know, it's hard um, to handle for me at least is just that it's always changing. Um, I've been diabetic obviously for over 10 years, but I'm sure many can many can agree with this. Like my prescriptions have changed more times than I can count. You know, I started on injections, then I went to the pump, changed pumps a couple times. I'm on the CGM now. Um, it's always changing. Like it never it never stops changing. And I think sometimes we try too hard to make it perfect, but we can't because it's more of a oh gosh, it's such a it's such a cliche. But you know, they say that like happiness is a journey, not a destination. I kind of feel like that's the way it is with diabetes. Like. Diabetes is a journey, not a destination. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to get to a point where it's not changing. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about having kind of the right mindset to deal to deal with diabetes. And it's not easy. Um, believe me, you know, I have super hard days, but I try to remind myself that, um, you know, it's a journey. 
And part of why I started to volunteer um, is because I know, um, or sorry, part of why I started to volunteer with Embrace, I mean, is because I, I know how isolating it can be to live with diabetes. Like when I was diagnosed, I didn't know anybody else who had it. Um, and those moments where I started to feel not so alone um, were so important. Um, I had a classmate back in high school um, who had type 1 diabetes and we became friends and we went to the prom or no not the prom the homecoming we went to homecoming together um, because we both had diabetes and it was just a really like it was just a special um, friendship I think that we had um, and since then I mean like I-, I know that some people can be a little bit um, shy in public about their diabetes and I can be too but anytime I see somebody like with a pump or with a CGM like I am just so freaking floored. Like, I am so excited that there's somebody else in the same vicinity as me who is living with this thing that, you know, I know so much about. And knowing that you're not alone is so important. And, like, it can be so, uh, it could just be so joyful to, like, get to talk to somebody else about what it's like to be diabetic. And that's part of why I wanted to volunteer because I really wanted to, like, make other people feel like someone else gets it and you're not alone. Um, and I also know that, you know, I have a lot of privilege. I have access to the doctors that I need and, you know, I have the resources and the the ability to advocate for myself. And that's just not true um, for everybody, you know, in the country and in the world um, living with diabetes. And we know, right, that the system works against us. It's unfortunate, but it's true. And we have to come together. We're stronger when we help each other. Um, and even though we're different, you know, I know that every diabetic is is unique and, you know, has has their own own disease, if that makes sense. But um, we have to come together and we have to support each other because I know that makes us stronger. And I think that that'll also kind of change the world um, little by little as well. Um, Brandon asked me if I had any advice that I wanted to share um, for diabetics. And I think it's kind of what I said before, like treating um, diabetes like a journey and not a destination. Um, you just have to be okay with things changing all the time and Um, giving yourself grace to like allowing yourself to not always be perfect and not always be right. And I'm not saying that we should be lazy, right? Like I know we need to take care of ourselves, but um, treating it as something that, you know, we're not just going to suddenly overcome it. Um, It doesn't seem, at least to me, like, you know, we're about to have a cure for it, right? So I think realizing that this is something we're going to live with. It's not always going to be perfect. It's going to change a lot. Like gave me a lot of relief because I took a lot of pressure off myself um, and starting to be okay with like not being perfect. I think that's true for life too, right? (laughs) Like we always want to be okay with not being perfect, but for me, I think it's, it's really pertinent to, to my life, um, my life in general, but my life with diabetes too. So thanks for letting me share a little bit. I really appreciate it. Um, and I hope that everybody has a wonderful day and that you stay in range. Huge, huge, huge shout out to Devin. We are so honored to have her on our team. She joined not so long ago and she is already such a vital member to this team. Um, I am so grateful that she's here and she's helping. Um, she's already innovating the team in, the, in, um, in so many ways. She's, she's, uh, she created this list to where nobody can fall through the cracks um, that she updates to where um, if something doesn't get sent out, it, it gets made sure that it gets sent out. You know, sometimes... Uh, we need a new address or X, Y, and Z. And sometimes those people can get forgotten about. And she has created a way and a form to where um, those people don't get forgotten about. And we make sure that they get sent out. So huge, huge, huge shout out to Devin. She's always, always, always 
um, online and she's always helping. So I'm so grateful and happy to have someone with such a big heart and a passion um, for the diabetic community and for volunteering. Thank you so much, Devin. Um, We are so honored to have you on the Embrace team. Thanks for listening to another great episode of the Embrace podcast with Jazz. You can follow Embrace on Instagram at Embrace3Movement or on TikTok at Embrace3. If you or someone you know has diabetes and needs supplies, you can visit their website at TheEmbraceFoundation.org and fill out a supplies request form. We'll see you back here every other Wednesday for a fresh new episode of the show. Until then, embrace, endure, and overcome diabetes. You are not alone.